We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another Saturday Q&A with Alex and Arjun. Um, much like Mike Williams and Josh Palmer will be stepping up for Keaton Allen tomorrow, who will be out. Arjun has nicely stepped in for Tyler and Steven, who are both unavailable today. So Arjun, I think last time you were on the uh, show when we did the Q&A, it was actually the week before uh, the game with Michigan and Ohio State. So I know you were there. Oh, yeah. what, uh, what was that like? Yeah, dude, like that, that might have been like the most electric atmosphere I've ever been in. And the, I guess like the craziest thing about it was like that game was the first like actual snow day for Michigan. Like it was the first time like it was snowing the entire day during the game. And like I severely underdressed for that <laughs> game. Like I only wore like one jacket and I didn't even bring like my actual winter coat, which I bought for like those situations. And being from Cali, I've, I've never had weather like that. So kind of freezing yeah. my ass off during like the first half of the game. But, you know, when we were winning and I had all the adrenaline going through, it, it kind of warmed up. And obviously, since we won, it was probably like one of the greatest games I was, I was able to witness live. Yeah. And now how, how you feeling going into Michigan, Georgia? That's going to be in. Uh, uh, what, not, <laughs> not too good because like we do exactly what Georgia wants us to do, which is run mm. the ball. And if That's you don't fair. know, they have that uh, behemoth, Jordan Davis, my dra- draft spirit animal uh, <laughs> on in the interior. So I don't know how that's going to go. But but yeah, I mean, our defense is legit. So I, I, I still think we have a chance. Would have liked to see us maybe go up to number one instead of Bama. But I, I kind of I understand why they put Bama at number one. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, bad year for Ohio State. Bad day for Urban Meyer today, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. But we will get to our first Chargers-related Patreon question. This comes from Trevor Black. Uh, outside of quarterback, what is the second hardest football IQ position in the NFL? Oh, that's what a you, good one. What do you what do you kind of think of that? Of course, the guys the guys who actually played football aren't on the show today. Yeah, um, so, you know, <laughs> great know. question. Um, Stephen and Tyler, 
Um, actually, so I, I actually think it's the offensive line. Um, I guess receiver would be a close second, but I think with the offensive line, like you need to, you need to be able to like understand fronts and like watch film enough to where like you're predicting stunts or predicting twists, or you know what type of edge rusher you're going against. Like there's few edge rushers who have all three, or I don't know, like if there's like a five tools thing, like in baseball, but like there's few edge rushers like Miles Garrett who have power, speed and technique. Right. So like you need to be prepared for all of those techniques. Um, but yeah, I think offensive line is, is definitely up there with, with quarterback and especially the tackles. Cause like they, you know, most of the time they're left on an Island anyway. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I was honestly kind of thinking a different direction. I was thinking sort of defensive signal caller um, and most of those okay. guys. So you talk about kind of linebackers with the chargers. It's a little bit different because it is Derwin James. Um, you know, yeah. it has been since Staley's gotten here. Obviously, when Staley was at the Rams, it was John Johnson. Um, so I think you could talk about, you know, for most teams, it is still linebacker um, and just the amount of communication they have to do and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, but it's changing in the NFL. So I think you're going to see a lot more safeties, you know, different kind of positions play it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think I think offensive line is definitely one of them. And, you know, there's probably an argument for wide receiver too, just the amount that you need to have in your route tree, uh, which mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of crazy compared to other players. Um, this is our first Chargers related question of the day. From Drew, are we worried if we end up not having Keenan uh, Allen and Mike Williams? Mike Williams will play, it looks like, at this juncture. Uh, I think he has not tested positive for COVID. He's been negative each time, so he's on track to play tomorrow. Um, But Arjun, what do you think about not having Keenan Allen tomorrow? Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously his loss is is important. Like, it, it can't be understated. Like, he's probably you know, the second most off like important offensive player, in my opinion, to Justin Herbert, just the amount of stuff him and Herbert have um, down right now is, is very impressive. Uh, right now, Keenan Allen ranks first in the league in third and fourth down catches with 31. Jalen Waddle is second with 28. Of those 31 catches, 14 of those third and fourth down catches have been more than 15 yards, which you can see on the film, right? Like the Washington game, third and 18. Broncos third and 16 or something like that, right? Where Keenan is always the go-to guy on third down. And I don't know who that becomes now in the Giants game. Um, you know, we I guess like the only game I really saw Herbert have a good game without Keenan Allen was the Raiders game last year. Uh, but that's the freaking Raiders with with uh, Rod Marinelli, Marinelli calling plays and them having half their defense injured. And of course, he lit up the Chiefs who were playing their backups without, and we didn't have Keenan Allen. So I haven't seen a game where Herbert's really been like successful, successful without Keenan Allen. Um, and, you know, Giants have a low key underrated secondary that I don't think we should take lightly. Yeah, um, I, I thought the conversation this week of like who's going to step into the Keenan Allen role has been interesting because it's like, I mean, yeah, Josh Palmer is like that more route runnery guy, if we want to say, but. Josh Palmer also hasn't played in the NFL for like almost a decade and, and has those yeah. down tendencies yet. So for me, uh, I'm not completely there on that train yet. I think it's because it's the giants and I don't think the chargers will frankly need to put up a lot of points to keep up with them. 
I think the loss of Keenan Allen definitely hurts less than say, if we were playing the chiefs this week, um, exactly. it's, that's, you know, very clutch that that's Thursday night football and not the game this week. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think I'd probably rather have Keenan in this game than Mike, just because of, you know, as we talked about with the Giants secondary, um, both on the pregame shot now, like it is a very good secondary. And I think there's guys that can keep up, um, with Jalen Guyton, with Josh Palmer, some of the more inexperienced Chargers receivers who don't have those reps. But, you know, I, I don't think they lose the game because they don't have Keenan Allen, but I do think it definitely makes third down, fourth down situations much more interesting. And Keenan also opens up the field for other people, right? So that that's yeah. just, you know, he is going to be getting double covered um, all the time, right, on some of those instances. So for me, I'm not too worried about Keenan missing this game. But it, it is something that's kind of in the back of my mind, especially um, especially if they're not getting like the best Mike Williams performance. But yeah, it's definitely not as bad as if Keaton and Mike were out and <laughs> that our only three mm-hmm. receivers on the roster would have been uh, Guyton, you know, uh, Guyton Palmer and Andre Roberts. And they'd probably yeah. go to the practice squad at that point. More uh, and KJ Hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's bring KJ Hill back. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, this comes from Abraham Calderon. Other than offensive line and quarterback, which position group has improved most since last season? Yeah, I think I think this is an easy one for me. Uh, I'm going safety. Uh, obviously, Derwin James is an upgrade over every safety in the league because he is the best safety in the league. But you know, Nas Nas Adderley has taken huge strides this year. I mean, you see it like he's not missing as many tackles. I think the Browns game was like really the only the Browns and Reds or Washington game were the only bad games I think he's had. Uh, and, you know, him being better has opened up a lot of things that blitz package with, with him and Derwin coming on opposite sides was was just sick. Like I, I watched all 22 on that. I mean, that was just so fun to see. Yeah. I hope that continues with this terrible Giants offensive line. Uh, but yeah. You know, Derwin is an upgrade over Ray Sean, obviously. And then Naz, you know, he's he's very talented. We all knew how talented he was coming out of Delaware. And I think he's really taken a huge step in his development this year. Yeah, I'd have to agree with safety. Um, I think you can look around the roster and sort of find other ones. Um, someone said DBs in general, but that one's tough for me because I think Michael Davis has regressed a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, well, they added Asante Samuel and then Chris Harris kind of also regressed. So... You know, you could probably throw like Asante Samuel at being an improvement in there, but I probably wouldn't throw the other DBs. So, yeah, I, I think specifying it to the safety group specifically because uh, of how Durbin's been playing and obviously having him is a huge upgrade over, you know, Rayshon being the primary safety. Yeah. And then, you know, having uh, Nas Adderley as opposed to Tom Telesco having to make phone calls to go get Jaleel Adai. Like, yeah, I, I think that, that is sort of an upgrade over what we were watching last year. Um, for sure. So, uh, I'm trying to just think of other units. Um, unfortunately, I think if you're saying other than offensive line and quarterback, that a lot, a lot of the other offensive units have kind of taken a step back. Um, when we talk about running back wide receivers, probably neutral tight end, they did lose Hunter Henry. And, you know, I, I would say Parm and Anderson have gotten better, but you know, then you have Jared cook, who's kind of still our tight end one. Darren mm-hmm. Cook, you know, cost cost considered, but still is a downgrade from Hunter Henry. So I definitely think the safety group is the clear winner if we're going for one position group. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Evan asked, we've seen Herbert uh, and the offense struggle against defenses with exotic fronts, i.e. Dolphins, Ravens, Pats, etc. Is there an issue with the Giants with Graham's connection to the Patriots? Do you think that we're going to see a lot of those exotic fronts tomorrow? Um, yeah, this is a really good question. And like, this is why I kind of had this like pinned as like a potential trap game. Um, I know I, I was watching your guys' like preview and like Steven was saying like Giants are a bad team. Yes, they are. This shouldn't be a trap game. No, it shouldn't. But I mean, yeah, Patrick Graham is a very underrated defensive coordinator. I, I think like if he had an actual defense, he might be able to like conduct a really good uh, defense you know, statistically and all that. I mean, they, they held the Chiefs to 20 points on the road. Um, I think it was Monday Night Football. You know, they held your Eagles to seven after they've been, you know, pretty much lighting up defenses. Thanks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, I have to hit the facts here. But but the thing with Graham is like he's not trying to run. I don't think he's trying to run Flores' defense. He's not trying to run Belichick's defense. He actually I think he plays a lot more zone than people realize. Um, and, you know, he doesn't I don't really think he has the corners to play a lot of man and especially with Adore Jackson out. He's going to, I think he's going to run a little bit more zone than usual. I don't think he's going to show the exotic fronts. Um, but yeah, I do think Graham is a really good DC or a pretty good DC. Um, and I would not be surprised if we see Herbal, Herbert struggle early on um, because this Giants defense has um, shown the potential to lock down and, you know, kind of limit the scoring of really good offenses like the Chiefs, the Raiders. I mean, just going in the schedule, the past five games, Chiefs have only put up 20. Raiders have only put up 16. Bucks dropped 30, but, but like the the Giants' offense gave them gave the defense no help half the game. Eagles only put up seven, and the Dolphins put up 20. But then again, like the, the the offense wasn't doing anything, right? So I do think this is a very underrated unit that's gotten better as the season goes on. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see what kind of game plan we have against Graham. Yeah, I was curious, what do you think they're going to do with uh, Leonard Williams? Because um, that is sort of an interesting question. Do they put him on Storm Norton? Do they you know, sort of keep him there against Slater? What do you think they do there? Doesn't, uh, wait, doesn't Williams play on the interior, though? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I, would, I would just line him up against Michael Schofield and try to, like, <laughs> isolate him. Uh, <laughs> isolate him against... Schofield or, or yeah, I, mean, I mean, honestly, at this point, Schofield or injured, uh, injured filer. I mean, that's also a possibility. Like, yeah, I think they, they could end up attacking that um, if he sort of plays on the interior. Um, so that'll sort of be interesting. But, you yeah, know, I think this is definitely trap game potential. Um, but at the same time, like, I think this would be a better trap game if the Giants had Daniel Jones and also yeah, if Saquon Barkley was pre-ACL Barkley. Like, that is kind of the perfect recipe for, like, a, a Chargers 17-13 kind of loss, um, you know, similar to, you know, the Patriots game earlier this year, similar to the Vikings game. Um, I just – I don't think that this is – I don't think they're going to end up losing this game, um, but I can see definitely why the G fan. <laughs> no, we're going to have problems with the podcast with our YouTube algorithm. Uh, so yeah, no, we better hope they don't lose this game. But no, I, yeah, I think this would be a better trap game just if they had the offense. But yeah, no, I think Graham can cause them a lot of problems. Um, 
Are you guys taking the over or under on one and a half Derwin James sacks tomorrow? So we saw the safety boots. Yeah, Yeah, always go under. I mean, it would be fun, but if I if I had money on the line, uh, yeah, that that would be (laughs) that would be tough to bet the over on one and a half. Yeah. Um. All right. We have this from Reality Check. This isn't a Chargers question, but do either of you think the Chiefs' winning? Streak has been overrated, especially on the defensive side of the ball, considering the teams and quarterbacks that they've played. Uh, yeah, so I, it's tough, but like, I do think it's, it's a little bit overrated because like, I don't, because this might be the worst Chiefs team we've seen in the Mahomes era, just because the offense has been so bad or not. Okay. It's not bad, but like, they just, they haven't been like the Mahomes offense we know for the past couple of years. Um, and yeah, the de- I mean, the defense has been playing well. I'm, I think I actually did have a conversation about this on Twitter. Uh, like, so ever since they signed Melvin Ingram, I mean, they've been like, they've been doing pretty well on defense, right? But they play the past five weeks since they signed Ingram, they've played Teddy Bridgewater. And for, uh, mind you, four of these five games are at home also, right? And like Arrowhead is probably like one of the, has one of the biggest, if any home field advantage uh you know given that environment but they play teddy bridgewater daniel jones second half of the season car if you don't know what that means the raiders always start our hot <laughs> car always looks like a like a low-key mvp candidate and then he just falls off a cliff after he loses to an east coast team which is the giants you play Dak without amari tyron smith and cd lamb and he played jordan they play jordan love so if you can not one of those quarterbacks is the top 10 quarterback car is really the or Dak is but without his receivers he's not so i don't think the chiefs defense is like amazing it's not a top 10 unit it's not top 15 i think it's like barely top 20 now because they've hit the right side of variance and they're now regressing to the mean so they're not awful but this this team only goes as far as their offense takes them so i do think that their win streak has been a little bit overrated because the offense isn't back to normal but unfortunately they play gus bradley this weekend and we all know what he's going to do. He's going to run cover three. It's just going to be a get right game, right? For Mahomes, which, you know, going into our Thursday night matchup is exactly what we don't want to happen. So yeah. Denzel Perriman uh, on a deep go route to Tyreek Hill. That'll be, yeah. that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, they also, I think didn't when they uh, lost to the Titans by like 20 and Derrick Henry averaged like three yards a carry, <laughs> like they didn't even get yeah. cash that much by him. And, yeah, he's still kind of. Was AJ Brown? He had a good game. Yeah, AJ Brown. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Chiefs are fixed. I think, I think their defense. Right, their defense was so bad in the first half of the season that it kind of has regressed to the mean. Um, hopefully, that's also what has happened with the Chargers drop issue after last game. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think that. I'll say that it's overrated for sure just because i mean of the level of competition they played and i mean i think we're kind of gonna figure out whether you know the win streak is for real in some aspects because i think they play chargers at home um then they get the steelers Bengals, and then finish with the broncos in denver uh i think so they're gonna kind of be put to the test a little bit um and that chargers game is effectively for first place in division if they beat the giants this week then Mm -hmm. uh and then the chargers i mean finish out with 
the Texans uh, after that Thursday night football game, plus um, Broncos and Raiders. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs' streak is definitely a little bit overrated. But, I mean, they sort of – their defense doesn't look as bad, but I also just don't see them as a team that's going to, like, consistently be pumping out 30- and 40-point games now. And I think yeah. that's sort of what the Chiefs need to be if they're going to be that, you know, uh, what they've been since, you know, 2018. Um, all right. Let's see what other uh, what other questions we got. Uh, what kind of contracts do you think we'll be looking at to lock up Kaiser and uh, Uchenna? Uh, okay. So I know, so Popper wrote an article or he included a Kaiser extension, uh, in his uh in his mailbag i think he had kaiser at like four years something like 35 mil which is like 8.7 8.8 mil a year i i mean because that's like matt milano money but like here's the thing i don't feel comfortable paying an off-ball linebacker that that amount of money and it's it's not because i don't think kaiser is a good player i've always loved kaiser and i've always thought you know there, there shouldn't have been a need to draft kenneth murray last year but when we had Perriman, Kaiser, and Tranquil. But with that being said, I don't think you can afford to lose him in free agency unless you're like unless you're sure that Kenneth Murray is gonna develop into Kaiser's role. Right. And he could be, you know, what Kaiser is doing right now. So I think eight mil is definitely a possible value for him. I just think that's too much for the Chargers to give up to an off-ball linebacker when they have, in my opinion, bigger holes at slot corner, offensive tackle. Um, you know, Mike. What what are they going to do with Mike Williams? Um, personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay him more than like six or six point five. I know that's lowballing him, but like, you just don't pay. Like, good teams don't pay off-ball linebackers that much money. In terms of Nwosu, I don't know. Like, he's been super inconsistent never really like this is the first year he's really stayed healthy even this year he's only came on as as of late which i guess is good you always want to finish strong in a contract year not start strong and finish slow um but i i, I mean chenna could get more than like like little over like maybe 10 11 mil given his upside and like what he's done in his daily scheme but but yeah i'm not i'm not too sure actually with with chenna yeah i think chenna will his value kind of gets inflated just because, I mean, he's, pl he's playing the edge. Like, so yeah. in that sense, as a pass rusher, I think he'll get more as a result. I don't know what more really is for that. I mean, I mean, I could see him winding up between like seven and nine, something like that. I don't, I don't know if that would be crazy for him, potentially higher. I mean, if he finishes the season on some kind of hot streak. Kaiser, I definitely think that there, yeah, is... The, the thing is also the run defense. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know if they could afford to lose Kaiser from that standpoint, too, because he's really, like, the team's only good, you know, serviceable run defender. So uh, I I see the concerns with paying Kaiser, but, yeah, I think just given how they're constructed now, you probably have to, plus the fact that Kenneth Murray is kind of busted. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see Kenneth Murray play in these last four or five games um, and see what they have in him, but they don't mm -hmm. seem to have that faith snap counts have been going down. Um, and they're more intrigued to try him at edge than they are at normal linebacker. Um, so for me, you probably have to pay Kaiser, which 
maybe isn't too bad because of how much money you've saved up and they're obviously going to cut Balaga and some of those guys um, let Chris Harris walk. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely see some of the concerns there. Uchenna, I could go either way on, but they probably keep him as well. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think Kaiser just because of how the team's built is the more likely one they keep. Um, all right. Let's see what else we got. Ooh, this is an interesting one from Sherd. What current playoff team would the Chargers have the best chance against if we make it in? Mm. I don't know, because like the the notion was that the Chargers would fail in the playoffs if they faced a, a really good rush attack, right? Because the run defense is ha- like it was pretty bad. But now they've they've been getting a little bit better, caught the right side of variance uh, in some areas, especially with you know the the fumble six from Tavon Campbell. So I mean, I don't see us beating the Patriots again. I think they're just way too caught right now. Um, I think Titans and Ravens could pose interesting challenges. Ravens are so hurt though that like I just like I don't even know if they'll make the playoffs now. They're just like I don't even know how they're eight and four. Speaks to John Harbaugh. I, I think if I had to pick on the dot, I, I would say the Bengals again. Um, I think, you know, we smash up with them pretty well. And, you know, the only the only thing I'm worried about is, like, I think people, like, create, like, a illusion that, like, if like if teams play each other twice, the team that won the first game will probably lose the second game or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, but, yeah, I, w- I would probably say the Bengals. Though I, I, you know, it'd be fun if the Raiders or Steelers sneak in and we're able to play them again, even though like they're they're not good football teams. So, yeah, I, the Ravens are interesting because I mean they sort of have the vibe of like a six and six team, but they had a Justin Tucker record breaking field goal get them past the Lions, and they also yeah. had Lamar go superhuman against the Chiefs, and those and Colts put you at eight and four. Oh yeah, that one too. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call them lucky. Like, it definitely is a product of good coaching, but mm-hmm. I think they took advantage of their health in the first half, and now they, they're sort of seeing the poor side of that. Also, I mean, they probably should have lost to the Bears, but the Bears fumbled that one uh, when they were playing Tyler Huntley. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Steven's guy, Tyler Huntley. Um, I think out of the teams, if we're assuming the Chargers would be a wild card team, which they are now. I think I'd probably prefer to play the Chiefs or Ravens. I think those would be the two that I would like to play. Patriots, I don't really want any part of um, just because of how that's gone in the past and how the game went this year, although I could expect the Chargers to make some adjustments. Derrick Henry's coming back. Don't want any part of that uh, in the first round of the playoffs, personally. Yeah, me neither. I think if you say like the Bengals win the division, that's a matchup that is probably winnable for the Chargers, given the fact they just beat the Bengals. And I, if you're just saying both teams are fully healthy, I'd rather play the Bengals than the Ravens uh, at yeah. that point. So, but if you're saying Chargers win the division and then they're playing a wild card team, I think that gets more interesting because you know the Bills are in a slump right now. Um, and yeah, then you have a team like the Bengals, if the Chargers do move up, then maybe they get a home field game against Kansas city Colts are getting hot at the right time. 
I don't want to uh, play the Colts. Colts are the oh, one wanna... team. I, yeah. I, I, I want to stay as far away from the Colts as possible. That yeah. team is humming along right now. Yeah, I'm not going to do well. I'm going to call out sick on the podcast if Carson Wentz beats us in a playoff game. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't want the Patriots. And I would say I don't want the Titans if we're just looking at the current playoff picture of the seven teams. Uh, all right. Let's see what other questions they got right now. Uh, this is, again, another question about the Chiefs with Thursday Night Football coming up. How has the Chiefs defense actually turned the corner? Or I guess this is kind of in response to our other question. Have they turned the corner? Yeah, I don't, I mean, they've turned the corner in terms of not being, like, the worst defense in the league, and historically, they've turned the corner not being the worst defense in a while. I think part of that has been, you know, signing Melvin Ingram, which allows Chris Jones to move inside. They've, they've benched Daniel Sorensen, which should have happened from the start, and been playing Juan Thornhill. Uh, I don't, I mean... I still think they're bad. Like, this is a still a below-average unit. I mean, their corners are, like, Charvarius Ward, the Jerry Sneed, and Rashad Fenton. Like, that's that's okay, but, like, you're not going to, like, you're not going to, like, be scared of them, right? And, like, obviously their linebackers are super exploitable. I just think their their key players are performing when they need to. Chris Jones moving back inside has really opened him up back again. Um but you know, I I wouldn't be too worried about the Chiefs' defense on Thursday night. Like I like we talked about before, I'm more worried that the Chiefs' offense is going to figure it out against the Raiders and you know look good coming into Thursday night. And you know, our defense is a little bit banged up. You know, Alohi, Asante, and Falcrow are all hurt, and you know we don't know what type of injuries we could suffer during the Giants game. So um, yeah, I don't. I mean, the the Chiefs' defense is still pretty bad like statistically yeah I I, th- I still think it's a bad defense like I again if we're just looking at those playoff teams and you're like which one would you rather play I, I do sort of think it's the Chiefs even though they have readed Mahomes um in that regard but mm-hmm. yeah I just don't see them being able to make those uh constant defensive stops um I think that they've also just gotten better on defense partially because their offense isn't turning over the ball as frequently as they were. Like, I mean, if we go back to that Chargers game, we had, what, four turnovers like in that game, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of the turnover differential. So I think the fact that they aren't doing that quite as much, that's definitely helped the defense just catch a breather, plus moving Chris Jones back to the inside um, where he should have been all along, but they were trying to be big brain and start him at edge. Uh, so, you know... I don't think they've turned the corner, but I think they could probably play a pretty decent game against the Chargers if, like you're saying, Mahomes and company figure it out against uh, yeah. Bradley, who uh, gave up 41 points to them last time. <laughs> so that's definitely a possibility. Uh, all right. Let's see what else we got. Ooh, there's another one from Shirt. Do you think the Chargers will be big spenders or smart spenders next offseason? Um, okay, I guess first we have to define big and define smart. So like I'm assuming big is like the Giants just going all in, like Adore yeah. Jackson. So that's big. Okay. So I mean, Telesco's never been a big spender, in my opinion. He's gonna be smart. I think he's gonna obviously I think he's always gonna leave. 
cap space to roll over to next year like he did this year. Um, you know, I don't know what smart really is going to be like this, this off season, because we do have a lot of important players leaving, you know, what they do with Mike Kaiser and Chenna, in my opinion, defines what, what the rest of the off season is going to look like, because they can obviously try to extend them before they hit free agency. Right. Franchise tag, Mike, you know, extend Ka or, you know, resign Kaiser, resign Chenna. They don't, that probably means Staley wants to get some of his own guys. Um, and I, I think the, the wide receiver market has kind of depreciated a little bit because we saw, we saw the wide receiver market go really low last off season, right? Kenny G only got 18 mil, you know, Allen Robinson couldn't even get 20 mil. And now he's not even going to, he's not even going to get like 12 or 13 mil. So I think that in part that in part plays into the Chargers not having to pay Mike Williams a, a ton of money, um, but but I think Telesco is always going to try to minimize the amount he spends, and he always wants to have flexibility in future years, which I do think is important for Herbert's fourth and fifth years of his rookie contract. Yeah, I, I think they'll kind of maintain flexibility. I obviously, I think the biggest domino of the offseason is Mike Williams and what they decide to do there. If they decide to extend him for the long term, then I think that sends a pretty strong message about what they want to do. If yeah. they franchise tag him, I also think that sends a message about kind of what they see sort of similar to when they franchise tagged uh, Hunter Henry in 2020. Um, I, I, Yeah, it depends on what big spending means. I don't think Telesco has ever necessarily been afraid to spend money um it's more just been about like do the players make sense right because mm -hmm. when they lost out on tom brady for example in 2020 then they were like okay well we're gonna pay brian balaga 10 million right and then we're gonna give chris harris uh eight or ten then we're gonna give linval joseph seven so like to me i think tom telesco has always been sort of a spread it out kind of guy if he is going after some free agents I don't think he's going to like just go, okay, Devontae Adams, here's 25 million. Um, yeah. he, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to do that. Um, but, you know, I could see him giving one big contract to Mike Williams and then, you know, sort of spending with the rest of what the Chargers have in cap space on some of these uh, incremental deals, which I think would be somewhere between a smart and big offseason. But I also don't think they're, you know, just not going to spend anything. Like, it, considering the cap is going up too by 26 mm -hmm. million dollars like they sort of do have to spend something right like i, I don't think they're just going to wind up being like what the colts are run like in, in that sense um shaggy asks do you feel like the d line rotation with the guys that they have now uh will continue or are we going to see joseph and tillery back on that snap count uh statue at 85 plus percent um well i don't i i do feel like it will continue but I don't want to see, I I don't want to see Tillery at eighty five percent. I think Joseph's been pretty good this year, yeah, even agree. though he's playing a lot of snaps. I think at this point you just have to accept that Tillery has not panned out the way you've expected. He's in his third year, hasn't really developed as a run defender at all. Uh, you know his like his liabilities have been exposed in the run defense. I think at this point it you know you should be just running Linval and. Justin Jones. If you're running that five-man front, you go Linval, Justin Jones, and uh, Covington or Gaziano um, on on early downs, and then you bring in Tillery to do whatever you want. Um, but Tillery, I mean, Tillery should be playing 
at max, like maybe like 60%. And I think, I think that's a good, you know, snap count for him, especially if the whole D line rotation is healthy, then you shouldn't have to feel like you need to play him a ton because you don't, because you have better guys who've proven that they're good against the run than, you know, Tillery is on a consistent basis. I'll say one of the uh, other big offseason decisions is whether Tom Telesco decides to pick up the fifth year option on Jerry Tillery. Oh hell no! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, you don't, you don't, you don't option for a guy that hasn't done anything oh, like that. Absolutely, I understand. How he's done it for every single player in his tenure, but yeah. for him, probably for Kenneth Murray, you don't like. It's just not smart business to pick up a fifth year. You don't. You shouldn't feel like you need to pay a player just because you're going to get him for cheap. Like, you can use that roster spot for someone else. Mm. I'm glad that I put that out into the ether so you all have something to worry about now. Um, Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, This comes from Aiden. If we could get Adams, would you pull the trigger uh, and and pay that much? I guess that's talking about Devontae Adams. Um, If you're saying it's in place of Mike Williams, then sure. But yeah, you're not signing Mike Williams and Devontae Adams. I I tend to think Green Bay is going to franchise him, much like I think the Chargers could end up doing that with Mike Williams. I probably would pay that much if he were to really be available. I don't know if he actually will be available. Yeah, I, I, w- I would give him the money if uh, we don't sign Mike, but you don't resign. I wouldn't resign both. That just bad uh team building yeah uh um if we don't extend mike williams would it be better to replace him or are we comfortable with our receiver group allowing us to relocate that money to the defensive side of the mall i guess this was a lot of discussion when they drafted uh josh palmer uh so do you sort of see that as an option where palmer becomes a wide receiver too or would they have to replace him in free agency or potentially draft um well given where they're picking right now i don't i don't really know if i feel comfortable with like expecting a wide receiver of mike williams's like bill to be there like i no. i i like drake london from usc you know six five he he's pretty much like mike williams has a ton of contested catches while he was at usc um but i mean i I don't really feel comfortable either moving forward with Josh Palmer as, as the number two guy. Um, I'm looking at over the cap right now, like the the receivers that, you know, could replace Mike Williams at a higher level are going to cost a lot, right? Like Godwin, Adams. Um, I just, I don't know. It's it's going to be a good chunk of money if you want to re-sign Mike, even though his, you know, first and second year cap hits are going to be low because that's how Ted or Tom Telesco and Ed McGuire um, negotiate contracts, but I don't really see any good options to replace him in free agency. So I guess I would look to the draft more than free agency in that sense. I think the one option that theoretically makes sense would be like Michael Gallup or something like that. But at that point, Maybe. if you're, if you're gonna, cause I think Michael Gallup's market is kind of going to be inflated. If you're already paying for that, then might just not pay Mike Will because I think they're probably mm-hmm. going to end up being closer in contract than a lot of people think. Um, yeah, I, I, I would rather just pay Mike Williams if you're just trying to find uh, some kind of replacement. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, 
I think that it just makes sense, at least for the interim. And you can also franchise tag him because that is still an option somehow with the player CBA. <laughs> yeah. uh, vote no on Proptillery. <laughs> I assume that is, <laughs> refers to his fifth-year option, so much like vote no on Prop C. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Um Wrong Speedy asks, what's the position you think is best addressed uh, best addressed in the draft and the one you think is best addressed in free agency? Hmm, that's a that's a really good question, actually. Because here's the thing. I think offensive tackle is gonna be a big need, but offensive tackles, like normal offensive tackles, have the longest a learning curve from college to the NFL, regardless if they're first or second or third round pick. So for the Chargers who are in a win now mode, I don't think, I don't think they have the flexibility to like, I don't think they have the flexibility to like wait on the development of an offensive tackle when they're built to win now. So I think tackle is one they should address in free agency or the draft or, uh, you know, through trade. Um, So that's the answer to one. In terms of the draft, receiver, in my opinion, I think receivers have more and more been able to translate well from college to the NFL. I mean, there's a ton of rookie receivers this year who are just absolutely lighting it up. Um, And you could potentially use a first-round pick on them. So that would probably be the answer for the draft. Yeah, I think think the answer for the draft is definitely – I think it'd be right tackle. I think it would also probably re- re- go to the trenches too when you talk about uh, interior defensive line. I think there's a lot of guys you can get in the draft kind of in that capacity as well. Veteran free agency, the one position that I keep coming back to for that is honestly running back. Um, not that I think they're going to pay some running back a ton of money, but there's probably a decent amount of veterans you can get for pretty cheap um, mm-hmm. just given the kind of contracts they'll command. Like, I don't know, would you take a chance on like Marlon Mack, James Conner, or, you know, some someone of that uh, skill set that could be available and is making like $2 million this year. So I think there's a lot of guys you could go after. But given the fact that Roundtree and, you know, Kelly have not <laughs> shown much of anything and you have Justin mm-hmm. Jackson, who's going to be a free agent and is probably going to be gone because of the injury concerns anyway. I sort of think that that's the one that I look the two for better in free agency. Um, oh, this is uh, a bit of debate on Twitter all week. Who do you think is a better, uh, bigger impact on Sunday, Guyton or Palmer? Um, I, I think it'll be Palmer. I don't see the Chargers asking Guyton to do more than he's been doing this season. I think they just drop Palmer into Keenan's role. Um, or I think I think. Guide, or I think Palmer and Mike split up Keenan's role a little bit because the Chargers like to run a lot of 12 personnel. So when that happens, I think it'll be Guyton and Williams on the field with with Guyton just doing his you know normal crossing routes and Mike kind of being the, the guy to get open. But I think the way I see it, James Bradbury is probably going to shadow or at least follow Mike Williams a little bit. Or if he doesn't shadow, then you, know, you, you kind of take advantage of whoever the hell else is starting for the Giants. Uh, you know, with Adoree Jackson out, if I check real quick, it's probably going to be like who, like Julian Love or something. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, also in response to this question, like, it kind of depends on 
what the average depth of target is a little bit. Like, if you're telling me that it's going to be 10 or 11, like it was last game against Cincinnati, then I sort of think that goes maybe in the Jalen Guyton corner. If it's going to be closer to 7 or 8, like it has been this season for a lot of games, then I sort of think that could be more Josh Palmer's role. Um, I definitely think Josh Palmer fits that Keenan Allen archetype more, so I think they'll sort of split the Keenan Allen work between um, yeah, him and Williams. But the Guyton thing, I mean, kind of depends on how open he gets. If he gets open, then, I mean, Herbert's going to hit him, um, mm-hmm. much like he did in the Bengals game. Mm, kind of depends, though. Uh, I could see it going either way. But I, I definitely think the Josh Palmer thing is just more about uh, can they you know, get him in the right spots? Sort of the same thing with Jalen Guyton. I think Palmer would be the more consistent target. Guyton is probably the more, you know, uh, big play target, if we wanted to say that. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of draft questions, which is uh, kind of surprising for us coming off of a win against the Bengals and being seven and yeah, five. Um, five. Let's let's get some football questions in the chat. If we lost to the Bengals, I would understand. I would be um, showing you Sauce Gardner tape uh, on this show. If we were yeah. We were six and six, but let's see. Um, all right. Um. Reality check, are we bringing up any receiver from the practice squad for the Giants game? I think they could. Yeah, they'll probably bring up. They have to. I mean, you can't roll with four deep. Yeah, because they're going to go with five. I mean, that's a good question if it's going to be KJ Hill or uh, Jason Moore, though. Jason Moore would kind of make sense because they still have Andre Roberts, who's going to be that special teams, you know, designated receiver. Um, Mm -hmm. But they also kind of did like what KJ Hill was doing earlier in the season, like when he got the uh, clutch catches against Washington. Yeah. Um, I could see it being either one. Mm. I I think they might lean with KJ Hill because they have Mike Williams. Um, and so they don't necessarily need another like big ball deep target. Um, if it was Keenan Allen who was playing instead and then Mike Williams out, I think they might go Jason Moore in that case. Yeah. Um, I'll guess that they bring up KJ Hill, actually. Not that I'm necessarily in love with that decision. Yeah, no, it should be. I think it should be Hill, though, over Jason Moore. Obviously, Hill and Keenan Allen's skill sets are a little bit more similar. Um, Obviously, you're not asking Hill to be the special teams guy with Roberts there. I guess Pearl could make an interesting option also. Or is, is Maurice French still on the roster? Because he could be another option, but I don't, I don't see them doing that. I think it's going to be KJ Hill um, if they decide to bring anyone up. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it would be KJ Hill or Jason Moore at this point. I mean, Joe, is Joe Reed off of IR? I actually have no idea. He's, he's still. <laughs> no, I, team, I think. Yeah, I think he's still on the still, IR. Yeah, so he's he's still there. So, yeah, I, I think it would be one of those two likely. Um, yeah. For French, I mean, this would be an interesting game for them to put him in. They sort of, I, I think for French would only get on the field if they, if something happened maybe to Andre Roberts, um, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. Um, Dustin Bradshaw, uh, am I the only one impressed with Nas Adderley? No, uh, Steven's been talking about him ad nauseum and throwing him in the Pro Bowl conversation. So Nate, Nate Tice thought he was the most like improved yeah. player. Also, yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, no, I, I think, no, Nas Adderley has definitely gotten his respect this season. Um, 
I think at the beginning of the year, there were some moments in, in coverage that were sort of like lapsy. You sort of saw that against Washington, I think, when that Logan Thomas touchdown. Um, and then, unfortunately, the, the you know, we were sort of talking about, you know, it doesn't seem like uh, Nas Adderley's given up a big play or anything yet. And then we remembered, oh, he sort of forgot to tackle David Njoku uh, <laughs> against yeah. the Browns. But other than that, uh, I think in those two moments, uh, he, he really played admirably and has been coming on as of late. Uh, and so I think he deserves full credit and full marks, you know, for talking about uh, his performance this season. Um, all right. I guess this is also sort of a good analytics question. Are we confident in the recent improvement in running defense the last few weeks? Um, do, do you know the exact week when Justin Jones came back? It was like week Jones came back. Let me look it up. I would know, uh, I would know if I looked at the schedule, it's probably like 11. Or something yeah i'll look it up to make sure because uh i think he came back earlier than that didn't he i, I don't know if it was 11 i think it was uh, probably like 10 10 so yeah so eight eight was patriots nine was eagles, eagles. 10 was vikings and then 11 was uh, Steelers. I don't think he was back for... I think he came back the Patriots game. I'm um, looking and seeing, yeah, they designated him to return October 25th. So that oh, week eight, okay. Yeah, so... All right, let, let's look... Like, Patriots game. Yeah, let me... Uh, so, okay, so week... Since week eight, because I think that's a good starting point for when, you know, this was the supposed, you know, improvement in the run defense... And that actually, it, it holds. So the Chargers since week eight have had the 10th best rush defense, running defense in the NFL, um, which is obviously a major improvement from having a historically bad run defense the first six weeks. So glad that that has improved. I think that's here to stay. I think Staley has, um, I think one of the things, you know, people have kind of, got mad at this coaching staff about was like they don't adapt enough or like I guess it's more of the in-game adaptations but Staley has made an effort to try to support the run defense a little bit more uh, earlier in the season he was running the lightest boxes in the league and um, on the defensive side of the ball now the Chargers are in that like 10 to 12 area um, in terms of light the lightest boxes which means he's adapted his scheme and his um, the number of box players to, to support the run defense more than he was earlier in the season. Yeah, I definitely think the run defense has gotten better, particularly since Justin Jones came back, particularly because Jerry Tillery uh, COVID and then Jerry Tillery just playing a little bit less in general. Um, so I think those two factors would make your run defense better. I hope Justin Jones is, is there this week. I think he's questionable with an ankle injury right now, but it looks like he'll play. Um, so I, I think looking at it, they sort of had a bad game against the Eagles after he came back on the ground. They had a pretty impressive game versus the Vikings, um, in that regard. And then I think you sort of get into this stretch where they played the Steelers and it's like, well, they did have like a double digit lead in that game, which I think for large stretches did kind of take Najee Harris out of it. I think you can also look at last week and be like, well, they did have a 24 point lead. Then it was close again. 
and then they started to pull away again. So Joe Mixon was a little bit neutralized in that sense too, but I thought they started playing well on him kind of from the jump. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it's gotten better. Um, I don't necessarily buy that it's a top 10 rush defense and whatever the period is, um, you know, like people are saying in the chat, I think, you know, since week eight, that's probably statistically what they've been. But I also think that's a little bit misleading. I, I would say they definitely recovered from being like 32nd in the league and run defense. Um, I think they're probably somewhere around like 15 or 20 right now, realistically speaking, if we're talking just about those best units. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think they've gotten better, but also one of the keys to them getting better is just getting a really big lead. <laughs> so, I mean, if you do that every week, then your run defense is in theory going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. Um, hmm. Uh, all right. I guess this is an interesting question because we did have the Dustin Hopkins, uh, curved missed field goal against the Broncos. Then we had the missed extra point. I think last week against Cincinnati, is it possible that our kicking problems have been because of our placeholder? Seems like kickers do better elsewhere, but we can't make extra points. Is it the long snapper or the placeholder? Um, I don't really know. I mean, I guess that goes back to like the Drew Kayser thing back in the day. Um, but it's also a different person right now in uh, Tai Long who's doing it, I, I assume. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I guess the kicking game is interesting just because they so, we're sort of in a weird place with Dustin Hopkins where he hasn't done anything nearly bad enough to get cut, but he also hasn't been like bulletproof as a kicker. So yeah, I, I think that that's just going to be interesting to watch um all right this, this is a good question you know you know the craziest part yeah michael badgley is 11 of 12 with the colts and he's he hasn't missed an extra point since signing with them so oh god yeah well we're gonna be talking about that in the offseason add him into the the coup and lambo files um yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah that's it's not fun uh <laughs> butters id who would you trade away first from a perspective uh, of they won't improve or get much better? Jerry Tillery heading into his fourth year or Kenneth Murray heading into his third year? Um, I, okay, I don't think Tillery is going to get much better just because we have a larger sample size on him. And like we kind of like know what to expect from him, you know, based on the three years of data and film we've had to watch. But with that being said, I would rather trade away Kenneth Murray. I think if Tillery somehow happens to have this, you know, late bloom under this coaching staff, or you know, just he decides to finally like try in the run defense and you know develop some pass rushing moves in the off season. Um, similar to like a Hassan Reddick in his fourth year, um, whose fifth year option was declined. I think he adds more to the defense than if Kenneth Murray suddenly develops into a beast. Just because if either Tranquil or Kaiser or both are going to be on the team next year, I don't see Kenneth Murray starting ahead of them. I'd rather give him away. And he's still young, which means you probably could get a higher draft pick for him than if you were going to get, you know, a draft pick for Tillery, who I'm sure teams are not as high on given how bad he's been the past couple of years. Um, but I don't, I don't see Tillery getting, getting much better, but I would trade away Kenneth Murray. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I also think it's a value thing, like you said. Like the value of Kenneth Murray is probably a lot higher than the value of Jerry Tillery right now. Particularly if you trade him away to the right system. Like if you can, you know, find a team that's still playing four three, and you know, put Kenneth Murray there, then you can say, well, he has two years left in his contract and a potential fifth year option. You know, if he does get better. Um, yeah. So that is something to sell. Um, I think to a team versus Tillery really has one year left. And I think we've really seen fewer flashes than we have from Murray at this point. So I think I would probably Kenneth Murray is sort of the one I trust to get better, but I also agree with you that that's probably also the one to trade away if he's not going to be the starting linebacker here. And that's going to be Kaiser or it's going to be your tranquil. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Let's see what other questions we got today. Uh, Mike Williams, Devontae Adams questions are banned. No more. Um, <laughs> this is from reality check. Also, if Kenneth Murray ends up on the Patriots, does he turn into a pro bowler? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. It's weird. Cause he, he actually fits the mold of what they like, what they like out of their linebackers. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is big. He, yeah. Like can stop the run and can blitz. So if he turns into Kyle Van Noy with them, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Kenneth Van Noy. Okay. Yeah. Kind of fun. Um all right. That is also a good question because I think this is sort of an expectations thing. Considering the talent on this team and a first year coaching staff, would we be impressed or disappointed in this team with a first round playoff loss? I I'd be impressed. I mean I think like, you know, very few first year head coaches even make it to the playoffs. Fewer do well. Kevin Stefanski is like really the only one that comes to mind, right? Especially last year. And he exited in the first round. And, you know, I don't know if you compare our team with his, like his team last year, who's is more uh, talented. They obviously had the God offensive line last year with the best running back duo in the game. So I, I would still be happy with, with at least making the playoffs. This is a completely new scheme, completely new offense. They're asking Herbert to to do a ton. Um, I guess, uh, you know, obviously I'd be happy if, if we make it further in the playoffs, but I, I don't have too many expectations, especially given how stacked the AFC is since, like, there's no real contender, but you have all these teams that, like, we know can win a Super Bowl if they hit their stride at the right time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I... I think for to me, like, I guess at this point, if we're adjusting our expectations, because before the season, I think first round playoff loss probably was my expectation, considering I predicted them to go 10 and 7, 11 and 6, be around there. Um, yeah. That's sort of also still the same expectation I have now. Um, so it's been a bit of a reduced expectation since they were 4 and 1. But I mean, if you look from the beginning of the season, I think that's about what the goal was in a sense. Um, obviously if you get in the playoffs, you go as far as you can, but I, I think that a first round playoff loss would be okay. And, you know, Shaggy says in the chat, it also depends on the loss. <laughs> if you have a loss that oh, is yeah. much like the Brown Steelers first round game last year, um, then, you know, I think we'll probably be a lot more unhappy than if we lose on a last second field goal to the chiefs. Right. Yeah. Like there yeah. is something to that in terms of showing improvement and, uh, you know, the kind of style points if we, if we want to talk about that. But to me, I would be still impressed uh, given what the season 
uh, sort of has been. Uh, we'll take a few more questions. Uh, see what else we got. Um, all right, this is an interesting one. Besides Herbert, who is the most vital player to the Chargers, who's the one player they cannot afford to lose if we want to be a real contender in the playoffs? Uh, one, two, three, Derwin James? Is that the answer? I think so. Yeah. That's that's tough, though. But, I well, mean, cause, yeah, because I think Bosa's in that conversation a little bit as well. Keenan Allen also, but to me... Slater. Oh, I mean, yeah. you cannot you can't go in the playoffs with Storm Norton and Trey Pipkin start. <laughs> like okay, look, yeah. I it wouldn't it wouldn't be Slater if we had the the depth. Like if we had, you know, what the like if we had a quality veteran behind Slater, or even if Storm Norton was the qual like the quality veteran, and we had like, you know, a, another guy at right tackle. I would feel a little more comfortable with like I'm not going into the playoffs with Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins as my tackles that because that is just a recipe for disaster. So I honestly don't know what they would do at that point if they would actually put Pipkins out there or <laughs> are they are they putting Filer at Filer at left tackle? <laughs> like I don't even know. What Maybe and then Haim is at left guard. Oh, I I, I should have. This is good. So. I don't know if anyone noticed. Senio Kelamete was so bad against the Broncos that they activated Trey Pipkins ahead of him, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, we, were joking, we were joking on the show that we were like, uh, yeah, because Tyler, what he's doing for his bolt predictions is he's been like trying to think outside the box. And so he'll say like uh, Trey McKitty one week and then he'll be inactive. Then I'll say Larry yeah. Roundtree and he'll be inactive. So we were like, hey, you should pick Senio Calamente as your bolt, uh, you know, difference maker in this game or your X factor, and then he'll be inactivated. So he actually did, and then he got inactivated. Oh, nice. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I really hope it doesn't come to play, Joy Pipkins, but. I think you could, there are, are a lot of possible answers. I think you probably, if we're saying outside of Herbert, I think, yeah, I, I would say Derwin Slater, Lindsley in some order. I, I think Lindsley is also really important as well. So they mm -hmm. couldn't afford to lose him. Um, all right. Uh, this is a good question. So is Derwin James comeback player of the year? I don't know, dude. Like this, there. I think, like, I I didn't realize, but Nick Bosa is actually having a really good year this year. Like, Nick I think Bosa. he has like twelve. Yeah, he has like twelve sacks, right? And like, he didn't just tear his ACL. Like, he like hurt his MCL. I'm sure he. I think he like hurt his meniscus. Also, the fact that he already came back and he has twelve sacks again, that's like really impressive. And like, you know, the Niners' defense isn't that good this year. Um, he doesn't really have much help out of Arc Armstead. He could be a candidate. Obviously, you know, Homer bias, we'd obviously say Derwin and the impact he's had. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be Dak Prescott because he broke his leg and he's America's quarterback, right? So, like, what? Yeah, it's not yeah. even, it shouldn't <laughs> even be a discussion. Yeah, it's 100% going to Dak. Um, unless Dak gets hurt and then it goes to like Burrow or Wentz because. Because people hate defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so no. honestly, like, there's probably like three quarterbacks. I'm just looking at the odds right now. Dak is minus 1,000, which means he's getting it. Joe Burrow is plus 600. Wentz is 1,400. 
Derwin plus 2,500. Yeah. James Conner plus 3,500. Joe Mixon plus 5,000. Nick Bosa plus 5,000. Um, yeah, so no, I, I, I would love to see Derwin James win comeback player of the year, but it's also not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd rather see him first team all pro, which I think he should oh, yeah. be. Yeah, no, I think he definitely yeah. has an argument for that. He's going to get in the Pro Bowl. I, I don't even think that that's really a question at this point. Um, and, yeah, no, I to me, Comeback Player of the Year is all media narrative. Like, yeah. it would be fun to win it. But even when Philip Rivers won it, it was like, okay, well, he's kind of the most famous injured guy, so <laughs> he wins mm-hmm. the award, right? Um, yeah. So there's that aspect to it as well. <laughs> So should Mac Jones be automatically removed from rookie of the year for throwing three passes in a game? <laughs> I, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. I haven't seen that one before. Um I <laughs> that just this just made me laugh. But uh I don't know. What do you think about that? Should should Mac Jones actually win rookie of the year based on what the award is, or should it actually go to like Slater or Free Humphrey or Jamar Chase? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ba- based on what the award actually is, I, you know, it's yeah, it's, gonna go it's usually, yeah, it's going to go to Jones. I think quarterbacks do ha- hold have a higher standard. I personally don't think Jones is being asked to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw that uh, that QB help gra- or table I posted on Twitter that, like, kind of blew up. But it basically, I was, like, trying to, like, quantify, like, how much help each quarterback is getting like or how good their team is around them and mac jones ranked third and like every other rookie quarterback was in the 20s and 30s so he's having so much help this year outside of like he has a good offensive line defense is stellar special teams is one of the best in the league his receivers aren't great but like you know they they do their job personally i i would either give it to slater uh creed or or chase uh, or not chase anymore because I think he's sl- kind of slowed down. Yeah, but but like even Creed, like se- like I understand center is a tough position, but like at this point, Mahomes has been playing the league for four years. Um, like I'm sure he understands how to how to make pre-snap reads. So I don't even think they're putting that much on Creed Humphrey. And left tackle is undeniably a harder position than yeah than center. And the the competition Slater's gone up against this year. I mean, is has been insane, right? Like we've had the hardest strength of schedule, face some really tough defenses, and he's held his own. So, I'd I'd give it to Slater, but you know, you have a quarterback on the best team in the AFC who's a rookie. That's the yeah. Narrative. I mean, re- really, the the only break he caught was when uh, T.J. Watt got hurt and then didn't didn't play. But other than yeah. that, it's been like you know, gauntlet of pass rushers, you know, just coming at him. Um, so I think if you're actually asking me who the best rookie is, it should be Slater. But we know it's going to go to Mac Jones, unfortunately. So mm. you know, that's just the current state of the NFL. Well, it's been a good show, everyone. Uh, thankful for Arjun uh, stepping up. Arjun, let the people know what you got going on this week. I'm sure we'll get another analytics video. What can we expect from the fine folks at PFF, who everyone on this uh, podcast is a big fan of? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find me at, at ArjunMenin100 on Twitter. Um, please stop hating on PFF because that is my company <laughs> and I'm not allowed to talk bad about them because I, I don't have anything to talk bad about them. If you want to understand Justin Herbert's PFF grade um, against the <laughs> Bengals and why he only had one big time throw, 
go check out my last analytics video. I think I did a decent job of kind of explaining the, you know, the theory behind that. And if you're still hitting on PFF, Justin Herbert's like top five in PFF passing grade or overall grade, right? So it's not like they hate him completely. That's just all, you know, they had a certain way of grading him against the Bengals. But, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going home this week back to Cali. So uh, that should be fun. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm going home next week, flying home to America. So, you know, we'll, we'll both be at home doing videos. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be fun to get some rest for the holidays. But thank you to everyone for joining us. And we'll see you guys next time.